0: This is Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. Home. We explore the familiar, but not often talked about, deep-rooted emotional experiences that successful females have when setting up their businesses. and we learn how they overcame them. Good morning, I'm your host Dr. Leslie Knutson and I'm very happy to welcome to today's show, Vicki Bettencourt. Welcome Vicki, and thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Vicki currently runs two businesses, Coney Bear LLC, the staffing and recruiting firm she took over from her mother in 1990, and a boutique eco resort in the coffee region of Columbia, South America. She has a bachelor's in psychology from the University of Michigan and a master of architecture from Columbia University in New York. Her business mission is to create entrepreneurs by teaching her employees how to run a business and sharing the company's financials. Her ECHO Resort in Columbia is also a way to demonstrate how to live sustainably, beautifully, and in harmony with nature. Among other small business awards, mm-hmm. Victoria also has won the Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Association of Women Business Owners Orange County, California, 2011. Vicki, would you share with our listeners a bit of your entrepreneur journey, which really began after your mother passed away?
1: Yes, Leslie, it did. I had just graduated with my master's degree in architecture, and um, she always wanted me to go into business with her, but I always said, no, no, mom, that business is too stressful. I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, But she died very suddenly um, and at a time that I was ready to leave my marriage. And so taking over her business really gave me a way to support myself and my young son, who was three, and to be able to leave my marriage. Um, I had designed uh, my first building in Columbia, where I was living, Columbia, South America um and but i only got paid 600 for that so i didn't think i could stay in colombia and um make a living and in the united states just being a graduate i would have had to work for three years just as an intern making ten dollars an hour and so taking my business was kind of my mother's business was a lifeline for me and uh 30 years later i'm still running it um we're, we're doing really well right now We've certainly gone through some ups and downs, but after my son went to college, I said, okay, well, what's next, you know, for me? And I uh, decided to reactivate my love of architecture by becoming my own client. And I bought this little plot of land in Columbia, South America near where I used to live to, uh, I thought I was just gonna build a house that I would rent out when I wasn't there, but I realized you can't just leave it. It won't be there when you get back. So, um, my sister-in-law, I decided that she wanted to help me and together we have created this eco resort where we now have three different cabanas that we rent out on Airbnb to five-star reviews mm-hmm. and creating my own little utopia there. And, um, and it will also be my, tell me, my,
0: tell me, how's your, how are you, how's your recruiting business going? Recruiting is doing
1: great right now. Um, Of course, it took a dip during the pandemic, but by 2021, uh, companies were just really, I mean, we were already short-staffed. It was hard to find candidates before the pandemic, but then it just became all the more difficult. So every company, it seems in the universe is hiring right now. And our current problem is getting enough good candidates, not only to take jobs, but to stay in the job. Uh, past you know a few days or mm-hmm. weeks because people are just jumping around like crazy it's um, it's been a very interesting and different
0: market than I've ever seen in 30 years so you and I talked a little bit in our in inter- pre-interview about how you almost lost your business in 2015 due to three of your top clients going elsewhere um, and how were you able to recover from this what are some of the things you can share with the audience and how you were able to kind of push through that?
1: Well, the first thing that I credit with my longevity in business is just um, persistence, persistence born of necessity, because um, in 2015, and I waited too long to, you know, cut expenses. Cause I kept thinking, Oh, I've been through this before. It's going to turn around, but it doesn't happen by itself. you know. <laughs> Um, right. So um, you know, I I lost so much money that I had to cash out my my um, life insurance policy to save the business, and I really reached out to everybody that I thought could help me get back on track mentally more than anything because I just suffered such uh, a loss of confidence. I thought that you know how, how could this happen after this many years in business and what you know obviously I didn't know a thing about business etc etc I was beating myself up and I had been in Vistage for several years uh and and my Vistage um chair kind of kept me on for free and gave me advice and I uh somehow linked up with a mentor that also had a staffing service in new york who was a lot bigger than me and he said no no we've all gone through this and you can do this and here's what we're going to do and he walked me step by step through some goals and some action plans and i had to be the you know sales rep at that point and i laid everybody off except for two two part-time employees and kind of started from the beginning which you know uh it's not fun especially when you've already been in business for, you know, 25 years. So Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I think the things that really helped were necessity. I didn't really have a lot of other good options in terms of if I were to just, you know, let everything go and and get a job, I wouldn't be able to meet my financial obligations because I was already used to living at a certain level and already Mm -hmm. had my project in Columbia going, which still needed um, investment. So I just said to myself, I must make it happen. I just must.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I think reaching out for help was was one thing that people who didn't get through those types of uh, you know business crises, I've noticed, didn't necessarily do. They just kind of closed their eyes and tried to do it on their own.
0: Tell me something. And the necessity part was helpful because... You just had to do it. You couldn't kind of There were no other
1: uh, options for me that made sense financially.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yes, so necessity definitely um, is always, you know, been a, a big driver when I've been in these situations. Before it was because I was taking care of my son and raising my son and putting him through college. But uh, after, you know, after he left and I took on this big project in Columbia, plus all my employees here and there, you know, you feel like you, you also owe it to all those other people to, to buck up Mm -hmm. and make it happen. Yeah.
0: Do you think if it hadn't been your mother's business, would you have stayed on and done what you did to make it work when things got tough?
1: Yes, because um, by then it was, it was really my business. I had, you Mm -hmm. know, invested, so much of myself and my time and into it. And I also knew that it could be a really good business. But like anything, Mm -hmm. you have to really, you know, you have to keep uh, changing, you have to keep adapting, you have to keep um, moving to market conditions and uh, Mm -hmm. keep going forward, yeah.
0: And do you think because it was your mom's business, you were particularly successful?
1: I think that um, because I saw her do it, and uh, she had been an alcoholic, actually, and quit drinking three years before she started this business, so I saw her reinvent herself in a very Mm -hmm. emotional way near the end of her life, but still in my mind, I thought that she was kind of, uh, you know, a person who lived from crisis to crisis and was not as talented, I didn't give her credit basically. So I went into the business thinking if she could do it, I could certainly do it. But I didn't realize how good she was and how much I didn't know, right? It's kind of like you don't even know what you don't know when I got started. So I wouldn't have chosen this business on my own because my love was architecture, I thought. I certainly came to learn to love this business as well. Um, and certainly my bachelor's degree in uh, psychology was was helpful in, in an HR business, you know, where you're doing recruiting and interviewing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to answer your question, I wouldn't have gotten into particularly this business on my own if my mother hadn't kind of handed it to me, you know, in, a, in mm-hmm. a way when she died. But um, it was a business that was well suited to who I am in any case. And so mm-hmm. I did recreate the business in my own fashion over the years.
0: Um, let me change course a little bit. Growing up, did you always feel like you fit in? Um, well, there were certainly, no, I
1: there were certainly times when I was like the most unpopular girl in class. I remember in fourth grade, they used to chase me around and try to put bugs down my shirt. It just mm. scare me which i'm no longer afraid of bugs after living in columbia so <laughs> that's great um but i also don't re- i i also grew up with the sense that in general i think i'm a likable person i don't I'm, I'm i was not so much on the outside that i um that i thought that it was anything more than um uh, you know everybody's Everybody mm-hmm. feels kind of out of it in in school and high school and growing up.
0: The fact that people uh, liked you, and, and and surely it's true for today, made business easier for you, even in Columbia, even in California. Always. Always, always. because
1: if you have an assumption that people are going to like you, it helps. I'm not really, uh, I, I mean, I can be gregarious, and I think a lot of people think that I'm an extrovert but mostly I'm more on the introverted side. So at least having the the confidence that I'm a generally speaking, a likable person has been um, Mm -hmm. made it a lot easier to, to, um, to run business in general, to form relationships
0: and to, yeah. It's something to fall back on. It is. You need to. Yeah. Right um is change hard and if so how has this impacted the way you do business I'm one of these people that always thought that I like to change
1: because I tend to be adventurous I like to travel I like to I'm very curious I like to learn things that I have never learned before and if it's if I've never been there I want to go there kind of a thing but um that's a little bit different from liking change you know um and so even though one of my core values is adaptability uh I still have my resistance right I I still can find myself not wanting to change the way we do things because there's pain involved in that mm-hmm. There's a learning curve and um so I think I'm as resistant to change as a lot of people but not as not as bad as some people are it's, it's something you have to embrace no matter what. If you're going to be in business, there's just no way around it. If you don't, if you don't keep reinventing your business, especially with the small business, even a large business, they have to keep reinventing themselves in order to stay relevant. And there's just no way around that. If you don't do that, you will die.
0: And in some ways, the the courage and the curiosity to go to Columbia, study, and then. Uh, S- uh, start your own business there also suggests that change is something that can be exciting for you.
1: Yes. I think that I used to be a person who liked a lot of stimulation and that's mm-hmm. of newness and variety. Mm-hmm. As I get older, I like uh, <laughs> quiet and
0: sun. <laughs> <But laughs> completely relate (laughs) yes yes of course of course how about as an entrepreneur do you feel like you fit in the best than you've ever fit in since and since or um yes i
1: think that since my mother was an entrepreneur then uh that was more natural for me um i'm the type of person who really would prefer to work on a high level team because I'm very team oriented, but what's happened is I kind of treat my staff like a like team my team members. I'm not very autocratic. I'm very democratic in the way I run the business. And I think that creates really engaged employees. I also openly share our financials. Um, and that makes people feel like they're plugged in. But my goal is really for people to be empowered enough. That they can make good decisions on their own, and I don't mm-hmm. have to be you know, running the show in the day-to day and running every little uh, issue that comes up and micromanaging anything. and 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 I've been able to achieve um, a certain level now where my my employees run the business. and I mm-hmm. um, at least on a day-to-day basis, of course. And I get to be the strategic person. Um, and also, of course, handle legal matters and compliance issues and all those not-so-fun things that are not really very productive but are crucial.
0: Right. So the team building also allows you to um, learn about other people and also have them sort of invest in different things that need to be done in your company, giving you a lot of information that maybe otherwise you'd have to do on your own.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's an, and it's an amazing thing when you finally have some really key people in place that you trust and that have taken responsibility. One, one business owner said to me, you don't give people responsibility, they take responsibility. And I have found that to be absolutely true. And I'm very lucky to have some really great employees now that, that take responsibility.
0: Well, like you took responsibility for your son and you when you came back from Colombia too. I mean, it sounds like it's a core value for you as well. Yes, we yes, absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about taking challenges, which seem important to you. When you work through the down moments, when you know when things are running as fast as they possibly can, and you're not able to necessarily meet all the challenges maybe when you want or how you want. How do you take care of yourself?
1: Well, uh, recently I've been studying flow um, with the flow research Institute. And one thing that I have learned that is amazing to me is that in order to be really optimal in your execution in your everyday life of the things that are most important to you, uh, and be able to get into a state of of flow, meaning you're working at your top form and you're really plugged in, is you need active recovery. You can't just you know scroll on your phone or sit in front of the TV. Those things are actually more exhausting. All of us who scroll on our phones know this, of course. <laughs> but you have to um, you have to be much more um, intentional about how you recover, how you give your mind space. So they taught me that actually staring into space is very healthy for your brain. Something that Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I thought it was a fault because of course, I like to stare into space, Mm -hmm. but um, it's a matter of unplugging, you know, turning off your phone, taking a hot bath, um, getting a massage, being in nature, taking a walk. Doing light exercise. They even say taking a cold bath is, you know, deep recovery. But I haven't tried that yet. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sounds cold.
1: Right. So and and um, you know, spending time with loved ones, things that recharge you in a real way in and in a deep way.
0: hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I do
1: all of those things more intentionally and with without guilt now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's something that you really enjoy and that you kind of do on a daily basis to help kind of keep your flow up?
1: Well, I'm trying to do it on a more daily basis (laughs) (laughs) is doing a morning routine where I do uh, some physical therapy uh, for my neck. And at the same time, I do... uh, a type of meditation
0: mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm.
1: it helps you be more centered and remind myself to be in my body.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, Vicki, we're going to have to stop for today. Believe it or not, we're, we're at the end of our podcast. How can um, our listeners find out more about you online?
1: um they could go to www.coneybear.com c-o-n-e-y b-e-a-r-e.com that's our staffing and recruiting firm uh they can go on my linkedin page um which is victoria Betancourt. i'm in santa Ana, california or I think if you just Google me, I think my NABO award, there's a video of my speech, which is a 10-minute speech where I talk kind of about my life and how how I got from one place to another in huh. terms of huh. my journey, right? Um, yeah, great. All those things.
0: Okay. Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank
1: you so much, Leslie. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
0: This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.